Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Man on the Post European podcast. I am your host, James Rowe, and tonight I'm joined by my partner in crime and a fully fit and firing on all cylinders, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening, how are you? Good evening. I wouldn't say fully fit, I'd say lacking match practice. Lacking still. match practice. Well, you, you, I, think, I think we were both missed last week, but you know, these happens. these things happen in the course of a season. Yeah, uh, recovering from a bit of a chest infection. Yeah. I've still got the cough, but I feel a hundred times better than I did last week. I was stuck in bed for three, three and a half days. So Goodness. went into went into work on the Monday, lasted two hours, went home, and then went back to work on the Friday. Okay, well, I'm pleased. I'm pleased you're better now, and I'm sure the listeners will be pleased that you're back and that we're back. Any transfer deadline day overtures from anybody trying to price you away? Uh, no, no. <laughs> staying put. Staying put. Yeah, I, I have I, no, I have no overtures neither. I shall also be staying put. I haven't got Marion Fellaini's agent. No, but I wouldn't go to China. I've nothing against nothing against China, but I, I, I've got bigger fish to fry and better things to do. I think in a, in a, in a footballing and in a professional sense, we are going to. Um, Try something different tonight. We normally talk about different clubs from time to time. You came up with another idea of us discuss, discussing certain matches that happened um, that happened last weekend, and we're going to start with events in Rotterdam as Feyenoord beat the eternal rivals Ajax six two. Ajax went one 0 up as well, and they absolutely obliterated them, Scott. And the gap between Ajax and PSV is now back to five points. Van Persie with his stellar performance in particular really really turning it on with his uh, with his double and even after the game he stated about how he was taking it all in you know the atmosphere and everybody was um was behind them and his and in his words it was about time they gave Ajax what for and uh, and they and they did and uh, I also commend Matthias de Ligt at the age of 19 coming out after the game in his in his um, post-match interview, when pushed to name names and shirk responsibility, he refused to do that. And he said, no, we defend as a collective and we haven't been doing that since the winter break. And I can't, I'm not going to name any names, but um, there is a bit of a difference between the defending they had before the winter break and now. But, you know, when you, if you, if you listen to that interview, Scott, you wouldn't think this is a 19-year-old Boy speaking, you'd think it was a professional of uh, of approaching the, his mid thirties. It was very, it was really well spoken. It's a it's a difficult result for all of Ajax to uh, to accept. It's never nice to lose to the uh, to the big rivals in the, in the, in the flagship game, if you like, of the of the uh, Eredivisie season. But as well, you know, 
final beat PSV uh, in Rotterdam, I think it was last November. So they have uh, good form at home. Giovanni van Bronckhorst has announced that he's leaving the final come the end of the season. So all the uh, eyes are on a new potential in, um, a new potential in appointment. And to give Man on the Post listeners a heads up as to what that may well be, names in the frame are that Delacout is doing very well with under-19s and he may well be assisted by the advocates. Uh, Maurice Stein, who, uh, used to man- who currently manages Faith and Faith Enlo, was offered uh, the assistant job at Feyenoord uh, not too long ago, but obviously with his own managerial career coming into um, prominence, he decided that's not for him. So it'll be very interesting to see who Feyenoord turn to. I would love to see them uh, take a chance on Maurice Stein, because I think he'd relish that step up. I don't think it'll be too much for him. It'll be very interesting to see to see what happens. What did you think of um, final six two win at home to Ajax, Scott? Um, I watched the highlights earlier because it clashed with a, a certain thrilling game I watched on Sunday afternoon, which <coughs> I don't really want to talk about because it was Roma throwing away a three goal lead in Bergamo, yes. which was a, which was a, a wonderful to watch and then horrible to watch. Um, yeah, I thought it was um, a really good performance by Feyenoord. They come out. Um, all guns blazing after going 1-0 down thanks to an excellent free kick from Lasse Scherner. Scherner is a, a wonderful um, set-piece expert. Yeah. Um, I, I, countless times I've seen his goals in the last few years for Ajax and they're always set-pieces. I remember the one he scored in against FC20 a couple yeah. of years ago. But um, really impressive with um, Robin Van Persie, Alarsson, uh, uh, the winger, is it Berg, Berghaus? I always botch his name is it Berghouse Stephen Berghouse yes is he the ex-Watford is it the ex-Watford winger ex-Watford but he um, just to give Man on the Post uh, listeners a, uh, a heads up he's always been really complimentary about Watford since, ah. he, since he's been back here he's not said one, he's not said one single bad word about the club and he's always been um, he's always been very complimentary even when he was uh, first initially on loan he spoke about Watford's FA Cup run where they took 9,000 fans for the quarter final uh, when they went away to Arsenal so um, I think he's just happy to um, to be back in the Netherlands and firing on all cylinders and be in the um, being the hunt for a national team place. Also, Jens Tornstela had a fantastic yes. game. You know, he's got a, a pass with Utrecht and uh, Ardo and Ardo Den Haag and has been um, somewhat forgotten by many quarters. And uh, Ayup, who they signed from Utrecht last summer, who was basically their big, big signing, he scored um, six minutes from the end, so that will give that him was confidence. Good that uh, was good as well. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's very much a confidence player. When he's on it, he's on it. And, um, you know, it's about him finding consistency. And Tony Filhena as well, you know, he was linked with Sampdoria not so long ago. And, due and Inter. And Inter, but due to, uh, I think, personal um, commitments here in the Netherlands, he's decided to stay here. I don't think it's been a very much a um, where he thinks he's maybe too good for one club. That's certainly not the case. It's been well documented here in the Netherlands that he's, he's very much um, a family man. And uh, he wants to uh, take the right decision for him, but I think uh, I think he may well move on in the summer. I did. Um, I did like Berghaus's assist for Van Persie's second goal yeah. on the, the in the second half. The uh, left-footed in swinging yeah. cross. Um, Van Persie, excellent first-time finish into the top corner. Just um, he's rolling back the years. And um, on Ajax, ten goals conceded in two games. Yeah, not the, not the best there. 
No, well, when Matthias de Ligt was pushed for name names and what went wrong and this and that and this and that, and he was like, no, we, we failed to defend as a collective. And having watched uh, de Ligt uh, in home games this season, even at the Graafschap when they were 4-0 up and he's heading every ball away and, and sprinting to get to the ball. Um, yeah, I think um, I think a little bit of a reality check is slowly creeping in. Ajax have been, since the Champions League draw against Real Madrid, in my opinion, far, far, far too confident where they expect to go through in some quarters, or at least that's the impression you get. And I've advocated, should they fail to win in Amsterdam, they will not be going through. And also, I think... Yes, they've done extremely well to get through a difficult Champions League um, group phase group and also in the pre-qualifiers against Standard Liège and against Dynamo Kiev and the Sturm Graz. Um, but I think they're getting a little bit carried away, especially in Europe. I, I, I maintain that they will catch PSV. I've, I've been saying that the whole season. There's still um, still some interesting games coming up. Um, uh, PSV are at home to Fortuna Stittard this weekend. Ajax are at home to Faith of so that will be interesting. And there's still many difficult away games for PSV uh, coming up. They have to go to Utrecht. And I believe they have to go to Alkmaar, I believe. And, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's, 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 not, it's not over yet. You know, some people like to write off the Eredivisie as a, as a, as a league where it's, the quality's not very big. But it's always been an acquired taste. It's always... The league has always been well looked after. And if you look at the teams in the first division, for example, the likes of Nijmegen and Twente and Den Bosch are doing really well. Go ahead, Eagles. Cambu Levar. These are all teams that, um, with the exception of Den Bosch, have all recently played at the highest level in this country. So things can change very, very quickly. And um, as I say, I've been watching it firsthand for over a decade, and uh, I've never thought to myself, "This is uh, this is not to a high level." You know, they always believe in youth in this country. There's always um, there's always um, policies in place to look after the clubs. Clubs are financially supervised by the Dutch FA. You'd never get that happening in the Premier League, would you? No, God, no. And uh, in terms of the, you have to hand in your your bookkeeping once a year, and you will receive a category upon which how your finances are doing and should you not heed warnings over a set amount of time as a last result your license is revoked and you get put back to the amateurs that's that that hasn't happened since i think Rosendahl, who played eredivisie football as recently as 2006 but you see now especially in the um in the management appointments that the clubs are just being extremely wary of how much money they've got in, at their disposal to hire certain managers. And you don't really see, um, for example, you don't see fellow Eredivisie clubs trying to buy a manager out of their contract. To give you an example, outgoing manager of Arce, John van der Brom, has signed a three-year deal with Utrecht. But this is his last season at Arce at, uh, so he's a free agent. I think that's a very interesting, um, interesting appointment. But whether he will kick on... With Utrecht, I'm I'm not so sure. I mean, he's 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 got a good man. He's got a good domestic experience, and of course, when he managed uh, Anderlecht as well in the past. But I think Utrecht really wanted him, and I think he maybe wanted to stay in work. And one plus one is two, as they say over here. Mm. Um, talking about the league, it was a bit disappointing to see that Franz Sol is. Uh... Has left the league and gone to Dynamo Kiev. Yeah, he was linked with Utrecht, and that for some reason didn't happen. But Willem II had a tremendous week. They had a, they had a tremendous week last uh, last week. They uh, they won 
in Utrecht 1-0, where the odds on them to win that game were 5-1. to And they also reached the um, the cup, uh, cup semi-finals, where they were entertained Isaac Alakmaar. And they have a chance of reaching the cup final. And considering when you compare their uh, tumultuous season last season, where they hounded out their manager and made it quite clear that change is necessary, we want to go for Europe. I can see them playing in a cup final this uh, this year. And um, it just goes to show what a funny old game it is, you know, because they had a very, very difficult start under manager Adri Costa, who was assistant at uh, Willem Trey 30 years previously. And then 30 years later, he gets the job as the number one. But he he has relevant experience with Galatasaray and Bruch, and Brugge, as we say over here. So, um, yeah, he's... Um, I think they've had a tremendous week and uh, I think they will stay up in the end. They're currently um, currently sitting in ninth after winning three of the last consecutive matches. And, um, yeah, it just goes to show how quickly things can change. Mm. Um, what do you think um, on Ajax? Do you think uh, the Frankie de Jong transfer is like played, maybe played some mind games on some of the players? Um, or maybe it's on the club itself because there's always these press rumours of him going to either PSG or to Barcelona and now it came out last week do you think that's like put uh, like maybe put mockers on them uh, no no I don't I think there's enough character in that squad for them to catch PSV and I've said I've said the whole season long Scott they will catch him yeah. I think with Frenkie de Jong the Dutch media are all up in arms because it's Barcelona and the link of Ajax Barcelona and everything's wonderful. You ask colleagues at work or friends, nobody seems to, when when I advocate, is he going to play? And they look at me like I'm an alien. And I give the um, I give the example of Sillerson playing Copa del Rey matches regularly and Champions League dead rubbers and, and games that are not really that important to Barca. They look at me as if I'm an alien and they try to tell me now that you don't pay 75 million euros for someone not to play them. But I believe once we reach that point, you've got to stop, 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 stop. Because when you start advocating, we paid 80 million for him, so of course he can't not not play, it's creeping into very dangerous water. Um, and I think that... Um, He's going into the most difficult league in the world where specifically away matches in the likes of San Sebastian and Sevilla and um, and um, uh, other um, places, for example, in Madrid or in... Uh, sorry, I think off the top of my head in... Uh, well, yeah, in Sevilla. Exactly. Hostile exactly. atmospheres. Exactly. Very hostile. And it's completely different to Friesland, Sittard, Almelo, Venlo. Uh, it'll do, I think he'll do well, but I think... I think people have just got a little bit carried away. You know, they got, I mean, I saw an interview with De Jong who stated many, many months ago now that, oh, it might be useful for me to go to a middle-ranked Spanish team and work my way up. Now, I thought that that was brilliant. I thought that was a fantastic um, thing for him to say. And now you're getting people jumping on the bandwagon saying, yeah, no, he's 75 million, so, we'll ha- so he'll have to play. But as someone who interviews professional players and managers, as you know, Scott, if a pl- if a manager doesn't fancy a player, doesn't matter what he does, doesn't matter what he does, doesn't matter how much he costs. If a manager doesn't fancy a player, and can you can you imagine a, a boiling cauldron such as the Biamarin or Anoeta? I wager if the current manager of Barcelona, Valverde, is going to trust De Jong in such surroundings with so little experience, if you like, because once 
the home team on the, in Bia Marina in Betis and Anoeta in, in San Sebastian once they get on top of you you, you you have to work very hard to win the game and that lack of experience could come back but I think um, it was quite apparent he was going to choose Barcelona but I, I maintain for De Ligt that um, I think he's going to choose Juventus and um, yeah I think uh, I think that will also be a smart move but people are trying to re- reunite them at Barca and have um, and have like the ultimate marriage if you like but I just think people have got just a little bit carried away I mean, he's, 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 he's without doubt a tremendous talent and he's made rapid, rapid progression. But he's not going to get the space to pick a pass like a quarterback does in an American football match. He might get that space in Amsterdam or in um, or in Swalla or in Alkmaar, but he's not going to get that space in Spain. So uh, it'll be no. very interesting to see what happens. Um, on Delict, I'm with you on the Juventus link because um, Juventus have got some defensive problems at the moment and they're looking at two veteran central defenders in Martin Casares and Bruno Alves. Mm-hmm. They've just let go um, Medi Bonacci, who's gone to the UAE, and Leonardo Bonucci is out injured for a month and Bonucci hasn't had the best of seasons since his uh, re- return to Juventus after his year in Milan, uh, AC Milan uh, with that protracted transfer. And they've had to, um, they lost to Atalanta last night in the Coppa, uh, the Coppa Italia and they lost 3-0 and it, they, they didn't play well they actually got walloped by a very good Atalanta side but there were defensive problems with um, Daniele Regani and Mattia De Siglio had to play centre-half so he got a right-back who can play at centre-half and they both struggled to, to deal with Duvan Sapita at the moment so I'm, I sort of agree with the Licks going to Juventus could be a good move yeah I advocate it I uh, I hope he goes there I think if he's going to go Juventus or Bayern Munich I think that would be a fantastic um, piece of business I think people trying to couple him with De Jong as well they're not just two very good footballers uh, Scott they're both very intelligent young men and De, De Ligt his, his, his brain belies his years and if he goes to Juventus he'll learn and he'll get better he'll get better specifically off the ball not that it's a weakness for him but to be further schooled in the art of defending should he go to Juventus I think it's going to be um, I think he'll be well on his way to becoming one of the greatest uh, Dutch defenders of all time if that's the case we are now going to move on to our second match which is a match you've chosen and it so also, the name Chiesa for Fiorentina comes up yet again, and it's um, Fiorentina winning 4-3 in Chievo, and uh, Chiesa netting a brace. You wanted to speak about this match, uh, Scott. What's, it, what's your opinion yeah. on it? Yeah, um, sorry, my voice is just going a little bit, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out. Um, yeah, it was a very good, entertaining Sunday early kickoff. I always think the lunchtime kickoffs in any league they're like slow burners. Um, as you've seen a couple of games in the Premier League in the last couple of weeks, the lunchtime kickoffs have been quite dour. I remember watching one uh, a little bit one on New Year's Day. Uh, the Leicester uh, Everton game was quite poor, but this one was quite entertaining. Um, Lewis Muriel was just joined from Sevilla um, we scored a brace in the on the reopening round of uh, 2019 so the reverse fixtures from the opening day of the season he scored a brace against Sampdoria in an excellent 3-3 game so Fiorentina uh, started 2019 scoring goals and conceding goals as well so Muriel opened the score on it, scoring and then we had a bit of VAR 
uh, coming into Kievo's open um, Kievo's goal where um, Alban Lafont, the ex Toulouse keeper, is a very good goalkeeper, very good on his feet, but is prone to the error. But that will happen. Um, when you have a sweeper goalkeeper um, he tried to play the ball out from a goal kick played it straight to Emmanuel Giaccarini who scored but it went to VAR and um, when Lafont was trying to play it to one of his centre-halves two Kiev players encroached and it was just inside the area um, and then Kiev had a, a penalty claim um, thrown away when um, they had a free kick and one of the one of the Kiever players, I think it was uh, Serge Police got pulled over in the box, which was it wasn't given. And then Fiorentina went up the other end, and an excellent goal from Marco Benassi. And he had an eventful afternoon as well in the second half. I'll come on to that in a second. Um, but Marek Stepinski scored a lovely header just before half-time. Made the game a bit more um, interesting. And then uh, Marco Benassi in the second half got sent off for a handball on the line. He blocked a shot. Um, he knew straight away. Serge Pellissier scored the penalty. It was 2-2. And then... Fiorentina sat back and tried to hit um, Kiev on the counter-attack and did with an, an excellent two brilliant goals from um, Federico Chiesa. Um, it was just a brilliant to see him and Gerson link up for the fourth goal because Gerson didn't even know that the ball was coming to him and then he crossed it in and then Chiesa was just on hand to score. Um, but there was more drama. Um, Chiesa had a second penalty for um, a Gerson handball which was very harsh it maybe should have went to VAR you know the ones that you get where you hit them probably from about two yards out and you can't do anything to them so it's like reactive and it just hit Gerson but um, Pellissier went the same way and so did Lafont and Lafont pulled a brilliant save and there were more goals uh, in stoppage time as um, Philippe Djordjevic added um, a third for Kiev with a really good header but Kiev uh, but sorry um, Fiorentina held out and it was probably um they had enough quality and it really shouldn't have gone to this far mm. for free. But then last night, they managed to demolish Roma 7-1 in the Coppa Italia. And yeah. Chiesa got, got a hat-trick. I was going to ask Scott as well, is he basically in the sphere now where he will go on to eclipse what his dad did in his, in his career? Oh, good question. Um, I, I can see that, yes. Uh, with the I, he's such a very good player a very good player such a wonderful player to watch I, I would say yes he's got all of it to come uh, this last couple of weeks he's been magnificent could play on either side could play through the central he got injured last night and then managed to stay on and managed to pick up a, a couple goals yeah. uh, after scoring in the, in the first half he's just brilliant um, I think he will get offers in the summer and I think it might be quite hard for Fiorentina to tempt him to stay yeah. but I would love him to stay at Fiorentina he's, he's such a wonderful player to watch but he's, he's fast becoming one of my favourite players in Serie A ahead of behind Timothy Castagna yeah I saw the tweet on Timothy Castagna um, with the rivalry between Fiorentina and Juventus would uh, Fiorentina's fans begrudge him a move to Juventus yeah, I think that will go down the Fernando Bernardeschi and Roberto Baggio route. OK, and that's not a sensible one in your opinion? 
no, no. There's, um, I would love him at Roma um, as a Roma fan. Um, I know Inter were looking at him, um, but yeah, yeah, I would love him to stay at, at in Florence as well because he could flourish in that system that they've got. Um, uh, they've got Luis Muriel. Um, who's a wonderful, gifted footballer. Yeah, just add so much speed and dynamism to that Fiorentina squad that they've been missing. It's, yeah, I just want him to do well and stay. And he'll he'll do well on the international stage as well. He's such a wonderful player to watch. Yeah, he seems very similar to his dad. I think his dad had a very... I don't... I mean, obviously, people remember Baggio and remember the, the, the school of... Um, of ninety four and and the great Italian players under Enrico Sacchi, but I always think that people forget Enrico Chiesa far too easily. Yeah. You know, he came up with important goals. He always get put in a shift at um, international level, and I think that um, Federico Chiesa has definitely got his father's brain in that respect. Yeah, and obviously being right. obviously being so agile as well. I mean, I mean you get. I mean, people Italian players are often, you know, criticised for staying in Italy. But I think if they make the right decision, it, it can be a good thing. I mean, I, 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 I think a move would, would be good for him, long, long term. But be interesting to see, uh, to see what happens. But I think, uh, I think he'll be staying in Florence for at least another season, surely. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it's going to be a very big offer to tempt him away, like maybe close to seventy, eighty, maybe even ninety million. Goodness. Tops. Yeah, he's he's becoming that damn good yeah well, very very interesting and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one um, our last match uh, this um, um, this Man in a Post European podcast is uh, we're going to switch our attention we don't do it very often but to the Premier League I went to watch Arsenal Cardiff on Tuesday night in London and Arsenal won 2-1 there was the tribute for Emiliano Sala before which was quite um which is quite um, surreal, you know, with the daffodils being handed out and the and the minutes like um, quiet reflection they they termed it in terms of uh, a, a, a applause that came round in the ground, and um, Arsenal deserved their win, but they weren't very good in the first half, and uh, I think I must have shouted out until my voice was completely hoarse. What the hell is going on in that back line? I just um, I, I managed to speak to Arsenal. I managed to speak to Arsenal fan TV after the game as well, and I advocated how they need to start to work as a collective unit because I didn't hear anybody talking. I didn't hear anybody, you know, trying to cajole or trying to encourage. It was all hand gestures, and and that will only bring you so far. The game changed when the uh, penalty was awarded, and it was tucked away really well by Abama Young, and then Lacazette's determination to make it 2-0, a, a goal at the end for Cardiff by Mendes uh, Liang, and um, yeah, they were, I, thought, I thought Harry Arter had a quite decent game for um, for Cardiff, he was subbed off in the, in the end, but um, yeah, a win is a win is a win. And uh, I will be back for my may what may well be my last Arsenal match of the season against Barty Borisov in three weeks' time. But um, I, I watching that game as well, especially in the first half, Scott. I think Cardiff have got enough to get out of it, and I don't believe they'll go down this season. No, I'm come sort to agree with you. They've got a, a very interesting game on at the weekend against Bournemouth, yeah. who just put four past Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, what, that, that a, interesting, interesting results, yeah, and, and yeah. Sardi saying that he locked him in the changing room. Forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. will be interesting to hear what he said. 
Mm. And um, but yeah, very very interesting results. Um, I wasn't surprised by Leicester's <laughs> Leicester's draw. Leicester no. were priced at seven to one here in the Netherlands to draw at Anfield, so I stuck a euro on it, and so that's quite nice. And um, but yeah, I think especially the Dutch odds, they're far too generous in terms of Liverpool not winning. I don't know if they're blinded by uh, Van Dijk and Van Alden. But um, if you can take advantage of that from time to time, not that we advocate gambling here on Man on the Post uh, European podcast because we don't, but I always find it interesting to let um, listeners know the prices that are offered here can be higher than in the UK. And specifically when a team is in form, they, uh, they seem to forget that, as they say here in the Netherlands, the ball is round, anything can happen, and especially in bad conditions as well. But um, I thought Leicester were well deserving of their point but uh, yeah an interesting uh, an interesting tie an interesting match on Tuesday I thought um, the Cardiff fans were very sombre and that's understandable as regards to Salah and uh, the man in the, in the prime of his life getting such a transfer and, and we hope for closure on uh, for all um, for all family members and everybody associated with him and Cardiff but um, yeah, the tribute beforehand was um, was uh, very very um, thought provoking, and uh, yeah, I just um, always like a midweek game under the lights, and it's very very cold, started to snow as well with sleet, so uh, luckily with a double pairs of socks, but managed to keep warm, and I flew back uh, flew back to Amsterdam on the first flight of the day this morning, so that was nice, and uh, yeah, I've, I'm I'm hopeful for a couple more with the Europa League, maybe a. A Lazio or Betis would be nice to put the cherry on the cake to uh, to a fruitful season watching the Arsenal from uh, from afar. Um, on the uh, Miniano Sala, um, I will say tragedy. Um, it, it took a lot of us by surprise because yeah. it's um, a player who's done really well yeah. in France for the last few years. Uh, he's got his dream move to the Premier League and it's just sad to see it's been taken away. Yeah. Um I was just going to say, have you, did you see the Nantes tribute of the I, game yesterday? I, I did. I saw uh, I saw the clips of that, and um, I, I mean, obviously, we can go into detail. But one thing I wanted to say, and I think the, the listeners might appreciate this: Did you see a picture of the plane that took them? That took them yeah, to. Yeah, so I think I saw it on either Sky Sports News but, or Sky News when I was off ill last week. All the money sloshing around in football. All the money sloshing around in football where average players have played far too much and players that uh, and managers that haven't even managed the first team get Premier League jobs. And, and in the words of Alan Kerbisley, I think Alan Kerbisley said it, I think about 10, 15 years ago now, nothing surprises me in football anymore and I concur that. But why on earth, I know hindsight is a wonderful thing, but why was there no chartered flight? Yeah. Why was there no chartered flight? And I think, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong, but Salah, everybody quite rightly praises the qualities he's, he's had and, the, and the being nice and being a true gent. <coughs> excuse me, being a true gentleman. I wonder if he was just far too nice to say, I ain't getting in that. And um, you you see how life can change in the blink of an eye. And, um, you know, I think it's only Cavani, Neymar and uh, Mbappé that have scored more goals than him in France. And to be so loved by Nantes, you know. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed for closure in, in, in the short to mid-term. And, uh, and that will help everybody connected with the families and with Cardiff. Mm. 
just hope we find out some news in the next couple of days. I know there's been news come out in the last couple of days about finding some stuff underwater. Yeah. And as you said, I just want some closure. Yeah. Because it's, it's a horrible tragedy. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I, think, I, I think we're in danger of this season, 2018-2019, being remembered for tragedies. tragedies. Yeah. So uh, with, the, the, with the helicopter crash helicopter of, in crash. October and Salah. And, um, you know, we, it wasn't too long ago that we had the Chapacoenza in Brazil. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I think everybody takes for granted that flying this is uh, 99 times out of 100 very, very safe and the odds are very, very long. But in this multicultural world that we live in where you can live in one country and work in another and, and, and things can change in the blink of an eye, I, I think I advocate taking a step back and just uh, just letting things pass a little bit slowly, because uh, life has changed for his family and and, uh, and and for Cardiff as well. They'll be forever connected with it. But um, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, there'll be some closure soon. Mm. We are now going to uh, Scott. Would you like to pass on your um, your Twitter handle to listeners if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, it's um, at Scott underscore Monroe. Um, I did tweet out that I was going to take a, a little break. And I'll probably do that for another week or so. Okay. Um, Twitter has just got like it's just you know you go through stages where you just don't want to be on it for a little bit. Yeah. And time after time, I just I just thought not. No, it's not for me. But um, if anyone wants to contact me, it's at, at Scott underscore Munro. I'm very open to questions. I will talk about football, cricket, as I'm watching the cricket now as we're speaking. Yeah. Multi tasking. Yeah, multitasking. Multitasking, and also (laughs) Italian football expert. Talking about what you were just saying about times where you don't want to be on it, all my tweets are football-related. I will never in a million years put anything personal. Mm. In terms of uh, my partner, my family, my friends, it will always be only football-related, where... in theory, it doesn't matter who knows or who reads because it's just football related. But going back on what you just said a second ago, Scott, I cannot believe for the life of me some of the things I read on there. Yeah. I agree. cannot, I, not just in terms of disclosure, but also criticism. You wouldn't say these things to somebody's face in person, but they choose to write them. Uh, they choose to write them and, and say the most awful things. And for me, it comes back to one simple thing, Scott. People have to take responsibility for what they say and what they do. And we, 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 all have, we all have moments where we tweet out something and we think, oh. But from my point of view, as long as it's football related and it is just an opinion. I think we've reached a point now, especially on Twitter, where people think that their opinion matters more than yours. When the fact of a, of a specific group, a specific fan base, the badge is the most important thing. Mm. If if you both support the same club, your opinions are completely equal. Um, my Twitter handle is at James Rowe Anel. You can ask me any questions you wish about particularly Dutch football or any interviews I've got coming up. Please feel free to uh, chuck in a few questions in the coming weeks. We haven't had many questions. Or we don't know if the listeners are a little bit too shy, but we don't we don't bite. Um, we did um, we did have two. We were going to record last week, but sadly, as I stated earlier, yes. I was ill and <laughs> we didn't didn't attend work for a couple of days. We did have a couple of questions about um, Dutch. Area 
Eredivisie football and about the, the crazy 44 goals scored in one weekend and we were about Leon. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, as we didn't record last week, um, we might do like a, yeah. a, a questions episode maybe later on in yeah. the season. Yeah, the, the doors are open for many different things. As I say, tonight was about three specific matches. Mm. Let us know if you liked it or if you didn't like it or you thought that we could do something a little bit different. All feedback is positive. We'd like to pass you in the direction of the Man in the Post um, podcast network featuring the likes of Man on the Post Extra Time and Unusual Efforts and uh, there really is something for everybody. Thank you for listening uh, listeners and we look forward to speaking uh, f- speaking amongst ourselves and uh, speaking about lots of different things for your enjoyment in the future as well and finally always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>